will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves. When oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace, for I am yours and you are mine. And I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves. When oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace, for I am yours and you are Welcome to Preston Crest this morning for our second service. Thank you for choosing to worship with us this morning. Visitors, we are especially thankful that you have chosen to worship with us today. And uh, we've, we've been blessed and will be blessed by your presence today. We are a community of believers here at Preston Crest that believe the Bible is God's inspired word. We believe in a risen Savior who died on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And we believe that baptism by immersion is the way in which our sins are cleansed and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we honor our Lord and Savior each and every Sunday uh, by partaking in the Lord's Supper, remembering his body and his blood. A couple of a quick announcements this morning. A few weeks ago, we asked this congregation to, to contribute to the Village of Hope Orphanage in Ghana, Africa, uh, to do some repair and renovation for the Preston Crest House, which we had funded back in 2007 and our goal was to raise $33,000. Well, our contributions even with today still being in one remaining day of giving, it's very humbling to let you all know we raised $49,681.30. So absolutely amazing how giving you are. You guys are truly amazing and, and God is, is so good. And a quick reminder about our upcoming beloved Pumpkin Fest coming up in just a few short weeks on Saturday evening, October 23rd. Everyone is absolutely invited and welcome to attend this event. That's what makes it so successful. 
but we also need a lot of volunteers. So if you are available in any way for any amount of time to help out with the Pumpkin Fest, then I would invite you to go to our church website, PrestonCrest.org, or find Rebecca Sutton, our children's minister, and we'll, she will make sure that she puts you to work in a, in a good way. So thank you for supporting this event so well each year. We look forward to, to doing it again. As we continue into our service this morning, please follow along with me as I read from Isaiah 28, verse 16. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone. It is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for being our precious cornerstone on which we can depend and, and build our faith upon. Father, I thank you for this congregation, for every member, for its loving and giving nature. And I pray that the funds that have now been raised for the Preston Crest House in Ghana will serve not only to uh, revitalize and strengthen the physical living conditions of these orphans, but that through your spirit, the lives of these children and teens will be directly impacted and they will continue to learn of your presence in their lives and your unending love for their souls. God, I pray that we as a congregation will be as equally giving and welcoming to those here in our own city. Father, I pray that we will be a source of encouragement to those around us as we worship you together. Father, I pray this morning that you will watch over this time of worship and that you will help us to focus on you and on your son's sacrifice for us. And I pray all these things in his name. Amen. All right, church, let's stand and let's sing this morning. My hope is built on nothing less but Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest rain, but only trust in Jesus' name. the same. 
sing one more song as we enter into our time of communion and Carrie and Cooper Fitzgerald are going to lead us this morning around the bread and around the cup. In remembrance of me Oh. Uh-huh. 
Hello? My name's Cooper Fitzgerald, and I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son for God, and that he, or that he is the Son of God, and that he died for our sins. Um, that last song we sang obviously ties into communion. Do this in remembrance of me. That's kind of the whole point of communion, really. Um, one of the verses that really reminds me of when I was baptized is Romans 15, chapters, or no, Romans 15, verses 1 and 2. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. That kind of reminds me every single time we take communion, we need to learn throughout the week we need to be selfless and not try to make ourselves look good. We don't get baptized for popularity. We do it because we love God. Further on in that verse, it says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind to each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and with one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In baptism, we're all one. We do this, we drink the cup, we eat the bread because we love God and we all connected through that. So when you're taking your bread, doing communion, just kind of remember God's sacrifice. Remember that we have to be selfless like Jesus and just remember that we're all one through his sacrifice. Please bow with me. Dear Lord, please bless us this week. Give us strength and endurance just as you gave Jesus so he could sacrifice himself. Let us be selfless throughout this week and help our neighbors. Please let us remember why we're doing this. Please let us become one in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As a parent, I often uh, find myself being proud of my, my children uh, in moments like this, um, and sometimes uh, occasionally disappointed in my children when they make bad choices. Um, but neither one of those alters my love for my children. My love for them stays constant, regardless of how proud, proud I am of them, regardless of how disappointed I am of, of them. I love them as much as I can. And that doesn't even compare to the amount of uh, love that God has for us. And in that same way, we are created in the image of God. There are times where we disappoint God by our actions, by our thoughts, um, by the way we treat one another. But that doesn't change the way that he loves us. Jesus didn't come and die on the cross, or die on the cross for those that were perfect. God doesn't intend for us to be perfect. Jesus died on the cross so that we could be perfected through him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for life, for the joys of life that you have set for us, for the trials of life that you allow us to endure, and for the family that you have blessed us with to, um, to bless us in this life. 
especially at this time, we're thankful of Jesus and for the sacrifice that he gave so that we can have this life, but more importantly, so that we could have life for eternity. Jesus, we love you, and it's your name we pray. Amen. morning. Welcome. If you're visiting with us, we're so glad that you're here. Thank you, Fitzgerald boys, for that. Uh, it's pretty cool to see faith passed down from generation uh, to generation. Uh, today, if you want to give, you can give online through our website. Uh, there's a give button there. You can give through church teams. You can drop a check or some money in the box out in the foyer. Uh, thank you for your generosity. I, mean, I was reminded of that through the giving for the Ghana house, the house over at the Village of Hope. And uh, beyond our expectations on that, as this church always steps up. But so many important works like that. One of them is coming up. Uh, you've already heard about Pumpkin Fest this morning. That's coming up. And what an outreach that is to our community. So let's really pray specifically for these works that God is doing through our giving. Uh, Father, you use our time and our talents. You also use our money to share the good news, to share hope with our community. And God, I thank you for all of the work that's already being done in putting together Pumpkin Fest this year as we look to connect with our neighbors, to get to know them a little bit better, to laugh and talk with them and play with them. Uh, we just want to love our neighbors as ourselves, as Jesus taught us to do. And so I pray, God, you'll bless all of the work that's being done and, and all the lives that will be touched here in a couple of weeks at Pumpkin Fest. Uh, bless the ministries of this church as we participate with you in building out your kingdom here on earth. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning, Preston Crest. My name is Bobby Keese, and I just wanted to tell you all about something that my family and so many others have been involved with here at Preston Crest every fall. Pumpkin Fest is an outreach event like no other. It is truly epic. Imagine a night where 1,500 of our North Dallas neighbors, young and old, come to hang out with us on our property for an evening of food and fellowship fun and games. So many in our community have a real appreciation for the way our church family works hard to put on such an amazing event. I just want to thank you, Preston Crest. To make this massive block party happen, hundreds of you have given your time, your treats, and your trunks. Jesus called us to love our neighbors. As we laugh and play with our neighbors, we get to know them and we build bridges into our community. Thanks for your generous gifts that make events and ministries like Pumpkin Fest happen.
Bobby, you do so good at that. You need to be on TV or something. You're just great at doing commercials. I love that. Church, let's stand. We're going to send kids on up to Children's Church right now. And we'll sing one more chorus before Gordon comes back to share with us this morning. Everlasting you They came to sing today. <laughs> Love to hear you guys worship. Um, yeah, so last year, I was just thinking, John, about Pumpkin Fest last year. We're like, okay, height of the pandemic. Do we do it? Okay, let's do it. Is anybody going to show up? And I think we said in the video, 1,500. Now, we had uh, visitors on campus. We had over 1,600 last year on the year we thought it wouldn't work, which was our biggest ever. And so who knows what's going to happen this year, but we are going to be ready. Amen? We're going to be ready to welcome our community uh, here and have a good time with them, get to know them, and serve them. Uh, so we do need a lot, of, a lot of volunteers. If you've done it before, you know how much fun it is, so I don't need to sell you. Uh, but if you haven't done it, trust us, it's, it's amazing. Uh, one of the volunteer opportunities that really will just leave you energized and excited and, and in touch with that mission of, of impacting our community, of, of really showing uh, compassion for people. We're going to do that. Uh, you can sign up on the website, click on, press, on Pumpkin Fest, and you'll see a lot of different ways that you can serve. And even if you can't be here, there are ways to serve. Uh, you can buy candy. You can make some baked goods because the cakewalk is always one of the biggest uh, hits here. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So what do you say to 
your friends who are exhausted, overworked, overwhelmed? What do you say? Jesus looked at his friends and he said, and you'll recall these words, he said, Come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He said, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle, I'm humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. Oof. Rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so thank you, Jacob, for filling in last week. There aren't uh, many who will answer the call at 1.11 in the morning. Jacob is one of those, and I am very grateful. He did a great job on very short notice. But we're getting back today to the pause series we started a couple of weeks ago, and it's this idea that our Creator, our God, built us in a certain way to produce, to work, to create, yes, and to rest, to recharge our batteries by connecting with Him and by connecting with each other in our community, in our gathering together. And so the Sabbath is the fourth of the Ten Commandments, and you may have seen this laid out before with the, the ten, you know, God's top ten, those Ten Commandments. The first four, finishing with the Sabbath, are more vertical in orientation, more about you and God, us and God, making sure that we keep that fellowship strong. And then the final six commandments are more like horizontal, more about community, more about taking care of relationships with other people. So we've got this commandment to rest, to observe the Sabbath, and it was given to this nation of just freed slaves. I mean, they had been under these Egyptian taskmasters for so long. Now they have been set free, and they are literally on the way home. They are on a journey to the promised land. And what had been... That life in Egypt, it had been a life in a world of pagan gods, of idolatry. And so the Sabbath, part of the purpose is, remember when you were slaves, you have been set free. Who set you free? God did. And so don't worship other gods. Don't bend your back. Don't submit to, to false gods anymore. Stay true to the God who set you free. Free. Our culture is a culture that uh, values achievement, productivity, that values your output. Our culture is a culture that values those who make lots of money. Those are some of the false gods in our culture. Work is good, producing is good, achieving is good. Those are not gods, right? Those are not gods. Sabbath is a time to 
refresh and plug back into the God that we serve and not give ourselves over to false gods. You know, here's a little something I learned in the last couple of weeks. Did you know that our country that we love, that our dear United States is the only country in the industrialized world where the federal government does not mandate certain days off. I got a chart here. Let's put that chart up so you can see France. These are, these are holidays and mandatory vacation. Like employers must provide this. So you've got France there on the left working all the way down to Japan, which is just 10 measly days a year. Except for us on the far right, zero. You don't have to give your employees days off in the United States. Now, I'm not here to work for change on policies. or I'll leave that up to people in Washington, D.C. who are smarter than me. But I will say this. It tells you something about our culture. It tells you something about what we value, about what we say is important. Um, look, creating and achieving are good things. Just be aware there are forces in our culture that push us to say success is most important, money is most important. And we're talking about Sabbath because it reminds us, nah, God is most important. The fourth commandment, I think, helps us with this kind of radical recalibration. There's a theologian, Walter Brueggemann, who wrote about this. I apologize, this statement is a little bit long and a little bit dense, but we'll kind of just listen in kind of bite-sized morsels here. I think there's some good things that he has to say. Brueggemann writes, I have come to think that the fourth commandment, the Sabbath commandment, is the most difficult and most urgent of the commandments in our society. Because it summons us to intent and conduct that defies the most elemental requirements of a commodity-propelled society. A society that specializes in control and entertainment, bread and circuses, along with anxiety and violence. Sabbath becomes a decisive, concrete, visible way for opting for and aligning with the God of rest. I like that, aligning with the God of rest. Um, now, a little bit of a detour here just for a second. If we get wrapped up in procedures, in protocols, what are the, all the details with Sabbath? What are, the, what are the, you know, give me a list of things I need to do or not do to keep the Sabbath. You can easily drift into legalism. You can easily, like, lose the point of the Sabbath. And so I want to remember this, and we're going to see this as we look in Scripture today. We're going to discover that when it comes to Sabbath, Jesus emphasized principle over procedures. In fact, about any time you see Jesus on a Sabbath day, he was creating quite a stir because of this. Because he was trying to get people back to the heart of Sabbath, the heart of God, and he had to pull them away from, from some, some precious procedures, <laughs> from some rule-keeping attitudes. You may not be aware of what a 
plimsoll mark is. You're about to find out. I think it has some relevance today. So back in the 1800s, the shipping industry, for the first time, began to insure their ships and their shipments. Okay? What they did, some of them, greedy, unethical shipping magnets, they decided to over-insure their business. And so what they would do would be they would overload these ships. So they sunk so low into the water, incredibly dangerous. Any bad weather, you know, any balance issues with waves or whatever, those ships would go to the bottom perfect. Perfect. Because they had overinsured. They wanted their ships to sink. And so this phrase got coined, coffin ships. These things were just barely hanging on the, the slightest breeze or waves and they would sink and the owners would collect all this insurance money and lots of sailors lost their lives. This British politician named Samuel Plimsoll became outraged by this, putting property over people and he began to crusade against these practices. And a few years later, British Parliament addressed it through legislation. And the Plimsoll marks, in his honor, Plimsoll marks were introduced. You may have seen these on a ship. Let's put this up before you. may have seen this on a cruise ship or at a harbor before. These marks near the waterline of a ship. It just shows how safely... The ship can carry the burden it carries. Like once you sink below a certain line, it's no longer safe. And what happened? This started in his day and time, continues today. Shipping companies get fined if they go too deep in the water. If they overburden their sailing vessels. It's not considered safe. Kind of see the application here, right? Um, the Sabbath is sort of a plimsoll mark. It's, it's sort of a way that God gives us to, to kind of gauge how we're doing, how burdened we are, how, how overwrought, overanxious we are to kind of unplug from all of those responsibilities and activities and to-do lists and just be for a day and enjoy how he provides for us and connect with him and connect with his people. And so that's why we're talking about Sabbath, because we need these checks and balances that God has, has wired into us. So two overarching purposes. If you're wondering, what is the Sabbath for? It is really for two things, rest and reconnection. Rest and recalibration. Um, just connecting to God, connecting to people, and unwinding a little bit. We rest because we need to rest. We rest because we can't be on all the time. We rest because we will burn out. We will go under. We will sink if we don't rest. And our inner life needs this recalibration, constantly coming back to God, constantly tuning in with the things of God. These are the basics of Sabbath. And so it is sort of a spiritual plimsoll line that God has given us. Now, I got a question, a bit of a technicality on the Sabbath. So is it Saturday or Sunday? Got this question from you guys. Saturday or Sunday? 
For Jews, we know it is Saturday, sundown on Friday night to sundown on Saturday night. So essentially, Saturday, that is the Sabbath day. So is that the same for us? Is it Saturday or Sunday? Short answer for Christians, it's Sunday. Longer answer, it's flexible. But the short answer, how did it shift from Saturday to Sunday for Christians? Well, there are biblical reasons for this. There's biblical evidence for this. There's also a lot of early church evidence for this shift where the pause, the gathering time for Christians came to be on Sundays. It was the Lord's Day, Revelation chapter 1 verse 10. It was the Lord's Day, Sunday, uh, the day Jesus was raised from death to life. So they began to observe that day. We find in places like 1 Corinthians 16.2 or Acts 20 verse 7, that is the day of the week. The first day there was a shift. It became the day when the church would worship and would gather, okay, where they would break bread together. Um, but remember, Jesus is concerned with principle over practice. So that's the short answer. The longer answer is there's flexibility. You need Sabbath. Maybe for you it's going to be on Friday. Maybe for you it's on a Sunday. Maybe for you it's on a Saturday. But you need that. And the New Testament, I think this is a beautiful blessing. It gives us some flexibility. Paul like, wrote about this. They were debating all of this stuff. Uh, the rule keepers and the rule teachers were trying to get everybody to do the same thing. And Paul wrote to the Colossians, don't let anyone condemn you for not celebrating like certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality which is to come, and the reality is Christ. So, this day is special to you? Fantastic. This other day is special or separate or dedicated to the Lord for someone else? Fantastic, Paul says. Romans chapter 14, 5 and 6, he's going to essentially say the same thing. There's flexibility here. Don't be judging everybody else and what they're doing with, if, if they're observing a day of rest or whatever, don't worry about them. You kind of do you. Now, Sunday works for a lot of people. So there is this uh, procedural flexibility, let's say, when it comes to the Sabbath. And it drove people around Jesus bananas. One of the things that most irritated the authorities in the days of Jesus was how he went around working, and it looks like almost on purpose, working on Shabbat, working on the Sabbath day. You want to find Jesus getting into a fight? Watch what he does on this day of rest, on this day of worship. Like in John chapter 5, there's a paralyzed man, and Jesus, on the Sabbath day, Jesus publicly heals him. How dare he? How dare you perform this work, this labor on the Sabbath day of healing somebody? A woman, this is in Luke chapter 13. She had been sick for 18 years. Chronic misery. And Jesus saw her at the synagogue on a Saturday and right in front of everybody, Jesus healed her and oh, it caused a stir. Luke chapter 13, but the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, he said to the people, there are six days in which work ought to be done. Come, listen to this. Come on one of those days and be healed, not on the Sabbath day. Zero compassion whatsoever. 
chronically sick, miserable life, pain 24-7. How dare you come here on a Sabbath and get healed from that? Should have come one of the other six days of the week. No healing on Shabbat. Does that sound right to you? It didn't sound right to Jesus. Verse 15, you hypocrites, he said. Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger, lead it away to water it? I mean, like, if your animal is thirsty, don't you lead it over to get a drink? Or do you let it just drop and die from, from dehydration? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? As he said these things, all his adversaries were were put to shame. And all the people rejoiced at the glorious things that were done by him. Now we're getting a picture here of the mess that had been created around this gift from God, this Sabbath blessing that God gave us. Um, They had just really turned this gift, instead of an unburdening, it had become an extra burdening. Like, Like, think about a Christmas present. Here's this beautiful Christmas present. Merry Christmas. By the way, here are 722 rules about how you are to unwrap it. Don't mess up. Don't use those scissors. Don't tear it that way. Don't open from that side. The Sabbath day, this gift had become this incredible burden on the backs of people. So many traditions, so many rules, and the leaders got obviously indignant, upset, if any flexibility was shown with those rules. And Jesus went around calling out the absurdity of this. Historically, around the time of Jesus, a little after the time of Jesus, this collection of traditions and rules about the Sabbath, about a lot of other things, actually got written down and put in a book called the Mishnah. In the Mishnah, just for reference, there are 24 chapters dealing just with the Sabbath what you may or may not do on the Sabbath. You have a straw mattress, okay? You may not on the Sabbath, this is one of the rules, you may not fluff the straw mattress with your hands. That's forbidden. You may fluff it with your body. So, I don't know, you kind of nudge into that thing a little bit, fluff it up a little bit. One of those was against the rules, one of those was okay. If you had a toothache on the Sabbath, by the way, I had a toothache last week. That wasn't why I wasn't here, but I did have a toothache. But on the Sabbath, you could put some antiseptic, some medicine, some vinegar on it uh, locally, like, like with, a, with a little rag. You could just daub it on there. That was okay. On the Sabbath, you could not gargle the vinegar. That was forbidden. This is the kind of stuff Jesus was dealing with. It made the people tired. By the way, um, if you've traveled to Israel in a tall building, apartment building, office building, hotel, on the Sabbath, you'll notice there's a Shabbat elevator 
that stops at every floor going up, every floor coming down, just does that all day so that you don't push a button because that would be working. Tenth floor, that's working. Can't do that on the Sabbath. During the coronavirus pandemic, hospitals in Israel began to require people's temperatures to be taken. If you're going to the hospital to visit somebody, your temperature had to be taken. A lot of places did that even here in the U.S. And so the rabbis, some of them decided... A Jew may not measure a temperature on the Sabbath. That would be working. I'm not, this isn't, we're not trying to make fun of anybody or point out the defects in someone else's faith. It's just this was the kind of entanglement situation, the kind of burdening that was happening and still happens sometimes with certain groups today. Tons of rules, tons of minutia. Sabbath was complicated, easy to break the rules accidentally and fall out of favor with God. And all of this was not what was supposed to be. Mark 2. (laughs) This one's kind of funny too. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. Right? Kind of hungry. Need a little snack. Just grab a little grain. Pop it in your mouth. Okay? No big deal. Oh boy. The Pharisees saw that. And the Pharisees thought, technically, they are harvesting the field. Technically, they are laborers collecting a harvest. So the Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Oh, and Jesus, you think he might step in and calm things down a little bit? Oh, he poured gas on the fire. He said to them, have you not ever read your Bible? Have you not ever read what David did when he was in need and he was hungry, and with those who were with him, how he entered the house of God, the tabernacle in the time of Abiathar the high priest, and he ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and he also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath was made for us, not man for the Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. I mean, I love that. Jesus revealed that the Sabbath is for us because God is for us. He gave it to us because He knew we needed it. Uh, Sabbath serves us, not, not the other way around where it becomes this, this burden, this checklist. And, and he scandalizes them, right, by quoting the story from 1 Samuel 21 about David and his friends. They were like starving. They were so hungry. There was nothing to eat. Ah, but there's the showbread. There's the bread of the presence in the tabernacle. We're either going to eat that or we're going to be in trouble. Did they break the rules? Yeah. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Principle 
over procedure. People and compassion. It's getting back to the heart of God that we would love God and that we would love our neighbors ourselves. All of the law, all of the prophets, it hangs on that. And it'd be kind of like if you showed up here really hungry and I don't have anything to eat, but there's all these little cups of juice and wafers on the tables out there in the lobby. Now, that wouldn't taste very good, right? Maybe a little bit like that. Wait, you can't do that. You can't use that for a snack. And so Jesus says, well, David broke the rule and he was right to break that rule. Now, the takeaway is not we get to make the rules. The takeaway, you don't walk away from this. I get to read the Bible however I want and apply my wishes and desires to Scripture. That's not it. It's just a reminder of what matters to God. And the good news is it's a reminder that you matter to God, that people matter to God. And it's probably a good thing that Jesus steps in and reminds us as well, I am Lord of the Sabbath. Kind of an odd statement unless you know who he is. I am Lord of the Sabbath. Wait. Isn't God Lord of the Sabbath? Didn't God institute it after creating the world in six days and then taking that seventh day to rest? Absolutely right. And Jesus is God. The Sabbath was his idea. Jesus rested on the original seventh day. Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 1, He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, firstborn of all creation. By Him, all things were created. Anything you see in this vast universe, He made it. In heaven, on earth, visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things were created through Him and by Him. So He's Lord of the Sabbath because... He came up with the Sabbath. He gets to decide what God intends through the Word of God because Jesus is the Word of God. John 1, verse 1. Okay, let's get down to where the rubber meets the road. Again, what would Jesus say to us today to possibly exhausted people, anxious people, overworked people, or Maybe our employees or our staff is overworked and anxious. What would God say to people in these situations? I think he would ask you today, do you have these pauses built into your life, regular? Not waiting until you're redlining and you're about to collapse, but do you have these regular rest stops built into your week, into your life? Do you make it a point to reconnect with God and to reconnect with the community of faith. Is that important to you? Do, you? do you realize you need that and you honor that principle or not? And if not, why not start? Will you take a stand against the false gods, the pagan gods of this age? Will you take a stand against the worship of achievement? The worship of hoarding? The worship of busyness? Will you take a stand against that and make it clear that you worship God and God alone?
A Sabbath rest is one of the days we build that in to our lives. He's the one who brought us out of slavery into freedom. He's the one who provides us with every good and perfect gift. And so it becomes sort of in a funny way, like Brueggemann was talking about, it becomes sort of an act of defiance in an age that worships productivity and work to stop. And rest. And produce very little for a day. But to worship and to connect with others who worship. This morning, you may be hearing the call of Jesus where he said, Come to me. Come to me. If you're weary, if you're burdened, come to me. Are you ready for him to remove the burden of sin and shame from your back? On the cross, he has given you this deliverance where forgiveness is available. And all of that can be taken away for you to walk in freedom, for you to walk in a new lightness, for you to walk empowered by the Spirit of God, for you to walk trusting that he provides for you every day and resting in that. Will you come to Jesus? Will you be baptized in the name of Jesus and wear all that he won for you and take his yoke on you, proclaiming him to be your Lord? Lord of the Sabbath? Yes. Lord of my life? Yes. Let's respond as we stand together and worship. With trumpets sound, oh, may I Really?
Go ahead and be seated for just a moment. We have coming this morning to us, Consuelo has come to us and asked for us to pray for her and her family as her brother lost his life this week. We have prayed for Consuela and her family and that God will watch over her. And we ask that you pray for her this afternoon as you go about your daily prayer life and remember Consuela and her family. Consuela, thank you for coming and opening your heart to us. We appreciate that. We're so blessed that all of you have chosen to worship with us today. Visitors, we are especially thankful that you are here. And uh, if you're looking for a church home, we would certainly love to have you. And we would welcome you into our community of believers here at Preston Crest. Also, remember our evening service tonight. The Cowboy game will be decided by then. Storms won't be here yet. So come to our evening services tonight, a few minutes before 6 o'clock, and hear another outstanding lesson on an encounter with Jesus. It's been an outstanding series. As we close our service this morning, why don't you go ahead and stand, please? And let's all read together this passage that many of you probably studied in Bible class today. Those of you that are studying the Hebrew series right now, let's all read together Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also entered as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. Have a blessed afternoon. Thank you.